you know, India has fared very poorly with COVID. Many have died. And uh, Brother Moses has really struggled in some areas. So we just desire that you spend time in prayer for our missionaries and those that give of themselves, really give their lives to help a lot of hurting people. I want to thank you for coming this morning and being part of this morning's service. I don't know when I have prepared a sermon that I enjoy preparing any more than this sermon that I have today. And I, I work hard to, 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 to work on the introduction and uh, the title. And if you need an outline, please raise your hand and Brother Chip will make sure you get one. But I wondered what the title of this sermon today, and I just, one word, restoration. Restoration. A lot of lives and families. And churches need to be restored. Amen? And uh, if you will notice, first of all, the introduction. In the midst of brokenness, failures, sin, mistakes, and hurts, Jesus restores. <laughs> He's a way maker. You know that worship this morning? Wow. Thank you, Brother Matt. Oh, wow. That's a capital W-O-W. Wow, it was just great. So he's a way maker. God restores. And when he restores, he does not take you back to the way you were, but before you experience being broken. God's restoration leaves you better than you were at one time. I love the verse in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 12. Even today, he says, this great prophet, I declare that I will restore double to you. Double to you. God takes the pain. He takes the hurt and brokenness that may have been caused by you or others and puts your life back in order. And he simply adjusts. What is wrong? So let me ask you something. Brother Danny was asking a question. Let me ask you something. There are the, there areas in your life that needs adjusting? Are there areas in your home that needs adjusting? Your health, your finances that needs to touch you? He brings us back to a place of amazing recovery. And I love this word. Wholeness. Wholeness. A lot of people are married, but they don't enjoy their relationship much. God wants us to be married and be fulfilled in that relationship. Whether it's a church relationship, a family relationship, God wants us to enjoy one another, fellowship in one another. My wife and I were talking this morning about how important it is to belong to a church and be part of that church. And a lot of times you don't realize the strength that you're receiving when you meet God's people. <clears throat> Worship together, fellowship together, whether it's here or a pumpkin patch, we need to fellowship each other. Can you say amen? It is through the cross and the resurrection 
that restoration is possible. Love that sentence. A lot of churches, a lot of, quote, Christians, hardly ever, if ever, <clears throat> mentions the cross that Jesus Christ was willing to go to, suffer and die for you and I. But it's through that cross and the resurrection that you and I are certainly able to be restored. I, I just looked through several miracles and several examples in the Bible where restoration took place. I think there were approximately 37 miracles that Jesus performed recorded in the four Gospels. And I, of course, I would like to, to, to visit them all, but I picked a few of these out. Restoration. You say, Pastor, this was over 2,000 years ago. He's still restoring. Amen. He's still restoring. And I believe this morning that miracles give us insight, especially with in-depth study, gives us insight to truths. In other words, not just the miracle itself and seeing people healed and restored, but as we look into that miracle, we glean insight to spiritual truths. Amen? Let's, let's examine six of these. First of all, the restored ear. I don't know if you've ever heard of the restored ear or not. Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. Of course, you know all that happened there with the prayer. And uh, then comes this entourage of people, a lot of soldiers gathering. And the one leading them was Judas. He walks up to the Lord and he kisses him. Jesus said, Judas, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Well, the disciples were with him and they're all, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know whether to attack. They didn't know whether to draw They didn't have but one sword. To draw a sword and start fighting or what to do. Impulsive Peter reaches and grabs a sword, swipes at the high priestly servant. Now I think he meant to cut his head off. But he missed. He cut his ear off. Now Jesus restored that ear. He touched it and the ear was restored. I think if he'd cut his head off, Jesus would have restored his head. I don't know, but... You know, you just think about some of those things. But Jesus Christ is a restorer. Malchus was his name. And Jesus reaches over. Even his enemy, even when they had come to arrest him and take him to the cross, he reaches down or whatever. And he reaches over and touches his ear and restores that ear. And then I think about restoring people back to life. There are three times recorded in the Gospels where Jesus brought people from the dead. I love the story of the widow of Nain. The Bible says Jesus is coming with a host of people. 
as they're coming into the town of Nain, he meets another group of people, and it's a funeral. And the Bible says it's a widow, and she's weeping. Now, he's not supposed to touch anything dead or pertaining to death. But Jesus walks, walks over and touches the casket and says to the woman, to the, to the mother, the widow, losing her support, losing her protection, losing her livelihood, as well as losing her son. And Jesus looks over at it and says, weep not. I mean, how do you look at someone that's losing all of that and they're torn, weeping, and Jesus says, weep not. You may be hurting today. You may be torn. You may be broken. You may be struggling. But Jesus is speaking faith, if you will allow him, faith into your heart, faith. And then we all know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. The sisters were so devastated, but Jesus said, he's going to rise. Oh, I know he is, but at the resurrection, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Wow. I mean, you got, you got to know what you're talking about or be an idiot one to say that. I am. And I have sensed that presence here this morning in this place. I am the resurrection and the life. And then Jairus' daughter. And I won't go into that, but amazing how that Christ interrupts these funerals and the dead and restores life back to them. I love the story when he goes to the synagogue. Now, there are Pharisees, religious leaders that are there, and they're looking just for something to accuse him of, to find fault. I don't guess there's anyone in this service this morning that you came to find fault, is there? I hope not. But these Pharisees were looking. Jesus looks out into the congregation. See, they did not believe the religious leaders for the activity on the Sabbath to be like Jesus did. And he looks out at the congregation and he sees a man sitting there like this. One hand is fine. But this one, this one is withered. Now, two things here. He asked me, is it, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? Hey, yeah, it's good. But two things notice here. Jesus looked at that man and he said, stand forth. What a command. Come here. Now, you're not going to ask a man with a withered hand to come there unless you're going to do something positive, I guess, for him. So Jesus said to that man, stretch forth your hand. Now, it's been this way for years. He's not been able to use it. Hands are very important. Amen? They're very, I mean, you do a lot with your hands. And all he had for years was just the ability to use one. In fact, it was his right hand. 
not his left. And that means it was the important hand for most people. And so he stood before the Lord and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Are you kidding me? It's been this way for years and you're telling me to stretch it forth? Yes. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do something maybe we think is impossible before he'll reach out and touch our lives. Stretch forth your hand. This morning, listen to the word of God. Stretch forth your faith. Take that first step in obedience to the Lord. You believe in God to save your children, your grandchildren. You believe in God to give you a new job. You believe in God to touch your body. All he's asking you to do this morning is to do something positive. Take a step of faith. And all of a sudden, that hand that had been withered, inoperable, no good. And that's what he does for our lives. He takes no good lives and he changes them. All of a sudden, boom. Wow. That hand, there you go with that word, was restored. Now, of all the six that I'm going to mention, if I have time to mention all of them, this one was, was more descriptive. I, I just kept going over and over, demoniac of Gadaray, Jesus and his disciples in the boat came to the shore. And the Bible says there was a man there. Now let me tell you a little bit about this man. He dwelt in the tombs. And the Bible says he screamed out or hollered out day and night. And the Bible says that he cut himself over and over again with stones. Can you imagine someone that deranged, that continued to cut themselves? And the Bible says that the town folks had tried to tame him. They took shackles. That's what the scripture says. And they took chains. Neither the shackles nor the chains could contain this man because he Woo! Let me tell you one thing. The enemy, the demonic powers are powerful. That's the reason we need the power of God and the spirit of God to come out against the enemy of our soul, the enemy of our family. You got something going on? The devil's there working with your family, working on your job. He said, I can solve it. Let me tell you, sometimes it takes the power of God to make that change in your life. Amen. You know the people, there were these, all these two. Did you know the people got to where they wouldn't even go by there? They were so afraid of this man until they would not even pass by that way. Can you imagine the strength and the evil? Well, when he looked, the Bible said, at a distance and saw Jesus. He looked at afar. He looked way yonder. And he went running to Jesus. And the Bible says he worshiped him. Wow. Wow. Jesus asked this man, and the demons were speaking. 
He was possessed of probably more than 2,000, but he was possessed of 2,000 demons. Wow. He said, what is your name? And he said, Legion, Legion, Legion. What is your name, Legion? Jesus cast those demons out of that guy. But you know, they didn't want to go out of the country. Those demons wanted to hang around. Let me tell you, the devil wants to hang around you. He wants to hang around your family. He wants to hang around your life. We need the power of God to operate in us, the church. The church. And the believing Christian and the spirit-filled believer needs the power of God to where the enemy just won't hang around. Isn't it wonderful to be where he don't hang around? They didn't want to go out of the country. And there were hogs, swine on the hillside, all 2,000 of them. And they said, would you? They knew he had power. They're afraid of Jesus. And if you have Jesus in your life, if you have Jesus first and foremost, forefront in your life, and Jesus is active in your life, they're scared of you. And the only, way they can de- the only way they can defeat you is through deception. They don't have any power unless God allows them to do certain things. So he cast the demons out. They went into these uh, swine, 2,000. Well, the swine, and they ain't going to put up with demons. And people do, but swine won't. These hogs. They ran headlong over the cliff into the water. 2,000 of them. Can you imagine that scene? Can you imagine seeing 2,000 swine running? That'd be an awful sight, wouldn't it? Well, the people that were watching those swine went to the town and told the people, and the town comes out, the town people come out. I love this part about this story. They found this once possessed demonic man sitting and clothed and in his right mind. (laughs) Somebody, somebody, we, we just know that's got to be the power of God that will deliver someone to the point to where now he's tranquil, sitting at peace. He put some clothes because he was naked. (laughs) He put some clothes on. And then he was in his right mind. How about us today? Are we tranquil, peaceful? Are we able to be clothed in the presence and the power and the anointing and the mercy and the grace of God? Whoop! God clothed us this morning. God clothed this morning. And in our right mind. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your thinking is not what it should be. I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ, if Washington, (laughs) they need to be sitting and clothed and especially in their right mind. And I don't know 
if that man was a singer or not. But I got a feeling if these songs were available back then, he'd be singing, You call my name. And I came out of that tomb. His name was Legion. You call my name. Or maybe this one. He said, My chains are gone. Hallelujah. He broke. The chains were gone. The fetters were gone. The shackles were gone. This man was free. God Almighty, Jesus Christ, restored him. Somebody say amen. There were ten lepers. Don't have time. Ten lepers. Amazing. When I was in India, they sat by the roadside. Lepers. Part of their body, bodies were gone. Leprosy was an awful thing. And ten of them. They couldn't even come close to the crowd where Jesus was. Couldn't even come. But they would cry out to him. Jesus, have mercy on me. One thing that they just really, I mean, here they were, afflicted with this awful, awful disease. All deformed, sick. Painful, isolated from everybody else, their family, their wives, or whoever. Listen, they cried out and said, have mercy on us. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. So they turned, all ten of them. And the Bible says, as they went, they were restored. Healed by the power of God. Listen. Jesus Christ is in the restoration period. Amen? And then there was blind Bartimaeus, my last one. Blind Bartimaeus. Again, one of my favorite stories. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Shut up, boy. Quit disturbing us. That's what the crowd told him. Be quiet. This man's busy. This is Jesus. Don't bother Jesus. The Bible says Jesus stopped. <laughs> if you'll call on him, all you got to do is call on him. He'll listen to you. He's got all these things to do to keep the world going. But one voice of faith will stop Jesus Christ and he'll come and touch your life. Wow. Well, I could go on and on. 37 great miracles that took place. One of my favorite chapters, listen at me, in the Bible is chapter 51 of Psalms. Most of us know the story how David certainly sinned against God and adultery with Bathsheba. Murdered, or had him murdered, killed, was her husband. David thought he was doing okay till Nathan, the prophet. I don't know if I'd want to be like Nathan. I mean, you got to go tell the king, thou art the man. I mean, you've done this. I mean, he could, but he walked up with faith in God. And he said, David, here's what you've done. Then David prayed this prayer. Now, if I had time, I've got other things I want to do this morning. I think it's very important. If I had the time, I'd read this whole this whole chapter. I would encourage you this week sometime. Take time this week. If you want to read a chapter of repentance, 
and remorse. In fact, uh, one gentleman did it this way. He broke it down. Sin confessed and forgiveness requested. The open confession of sin. The depth of David's need. Prayer for restoration. This is David. I mean, you could, you could just see this man agonizing with God, repenting before God. Restoration of the heart. Restoration to the joy of salvation. Restoration to praise. And then lastly, restoration of good to the kingdom of God. Of good to the kingdom of God. Rico balanced the ceramic bowl in her tiny hands as she carried it to the kitchen. It was her mother's favorite, a white bowl with tiny blue blossoms painstakingly painted up the sides. Her mother only brought it out on the most special occasions. Today was her mother's birthday, which Rico thought qualified as a special occasion. The five-year-old girl had climbed the cabinets and brought out the dish all on her own. Now, she couldn't wait to fill it with mother's favorite treats and present it to her. Rico's foot caught on the edge of the kitchen rug and she stumbled. The floral bowl slipped from her fingers and crashed against the tile floor. The bowl lay in ruins at her feet. Rico sank to her knees, gingerly picking up a broken piece. She began to cry. A warm hand rested on her shoulder, blurry through the tears. Rico saw her grandfather's wrinkled face and kind eyes staring down at her. I tried to be careful, she sobbed. I just wanted to do something special for Mama's birthday. Now it's broken. Now it's broken. And I can't fix it. No, her grandfather's voice soothed her. But I know someone who can. Forgive me. Here, help me. Pick up the pieces. Rico and the grandfather set each piece on a tray and carried them out to the garage where her father worked on a project. Her face pale with fear, worrying that her father would be upset that she had broken her mother's favorite bow. Instead, he smiled at her and wrapped his daughter in a hug. Then he picked up the broken pieces and examined them. What have we here, he said. I broke Mama's bow, Rico explained, with a quiver in her lip. Well, then her father spoke, rolling up his sleeves. We will fix it, but it won't be the same as it was before. It'll be even better. Kintsugi. I like that word. I like to say it. Kintsugi. It's a Japanese word. It's the art of taking broken ceramic and broken pieces and put them back together with gold dust and glue. And the beauty of that vase is 
just wonderful. And that vase, that bowl, that cup is more important than it was when it was the original. Satan had broken our lives. And we tried to fix it. We said, I don't know how to fix it, but I know, I know someone that can. And you said, I can never be the same again. My marriage can never be the same. My life can never be the same. It's so broken. It's so shattered. What am I going to do? Jesus takes his wonderful hand and he brings all the broken pieces together and does a masterful job of mending it. And that life is more important than it was before. As a nine-year-old boy, I knelt in the altar. My life was a mess. It's nine years old. My dad was an alcoholic. He abused my mother more than one time, physically, in many other ways. I was afraid. I was, I, I, I was so angry. Two women were preaching that revival at Butler Hill and gave the altar call. And I slipped out of my pew at the end of the sermon. And I walked down to the altar and I knelt in that altar, broken. But when I came up, I was better than what I was when I knelt down. And Jesus can do the same thing for you. He can take those broken pieces. He can take your broken life. He can take your broken marriage. He can take your your unhealthy body. He can take it. And he can put it back together. And it'll be just as good or better, better than you. A young man that his life was broken is here with us today. I'm going to ask Alex if you'll come. A restored young man I love this man. He comes to bless us so often. Come on, Alex. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, my fault. Come on, Alex. Yeah, I thought you were over there. I want you to listen how God can take a broken life and put it back together. So I'm Alex. I've been coming to the church for maybe a year. If anyone doesn't know me, um, so I grew up in church, but I never knew the whole reason why you go to church, like to give God the glory. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm like shaking right now. So hang on. So something about me, uh, when the Holy Spirit's in me, my leg shakes real bad. So, um, I was a broken kid, man. I, uh, I was broken. I was, I was smoking weed. I was vaping. I was doing all these things that weren't pleasing to God. Um, my parents were okay with it. They were like, just tell me what happens and let me know that you're safe and all that. And um, I was on my longboard. I got hit by a car. 
Um, I was in the hospital for two weeks. The doctor said, you won't walk in years. It'll take you years to walk, and you shouldn't be able to talk. In the hospital, I was walking on my own around laps in the hospital. He's, God is so good. In two weeks after I got out of the hospital, I, I shouldn't be able to talk and have conversations with you. He's so good to you. Like, he healed me. I just thought that, that I'm, I'm a strong kid. I, I got that. Um, I, I, was, I got into a bad relationship with someone. Um, it was of nothing of God. Nothing about God was about it. Um, it was one night I went out to see her. Um, now, we smoked weed that night, and I had work in the morning. And I was driving back home. It was like 3 or 4 in the morning, and I fell asleep behind the wheel because I had smoked, and I was exhausted from that day. I crashed my truck at 70 miles an hour. I should have died in the truck. The airbags went off, everything. The entire front left wheel assembly came off of my truck. I'm in the middle of the highway, and the right side of my truck, nothing was wrong with it, nothing. I climbed out of the truck unharmed. I have nothing wrong with me. I have, I have no broken bones. I've never broken a bone. There's, there's nothing he can't do. He can't restore. I shouldn't be here. I'm a broken person. I'm a broken sinner. I, I've, I've been baptized here right there. I gave my life to the Lord right there. I struggled with porn and masturbation. I got delivered from it right there. Michael Britt prayed over me. And I got restored from it. I haven't struggled with it anymore. He's so good. I'm a broken person. There's so many things that I've done that I don't deserve. And the good things that he's done for me, I don't deserve the things that he's done for me. He's so good. Give your life to the Lord. I've given mine to him. I, I've, I'm a new creation in him. He changes you. He makes your old ways dead. I'm dead to my to, to sin. I'm, I'm no longer that person anymore. I'm a new person. Praise the, be the God. Holy Jesus Christ, thank you, my Lord. I give you my all. He's so good, there's nothing he can't do. No matter what you've done in your life, he will forget. you can run as far as you want from him, turn around and start worshiping and loving him right there, and then he's always chasing you. <laughs> he loves you, he loves you so much. He loved me, he loves all of you. He was he in this morning with worship. I, he was here. I there's I just can't. I, I'm I'm smiling. I cry. I, my leg shakes. I can't control it. Like that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit in me. I've been delivered. The, when the guest speaker came, she she spoke words to me. She said, "Read your Bible more." I've read more of my Bible. God spoke to me. I I I'm a walking miracle by His grace and His glory and His works. I haven't done any of this all in him. Everything I have is from him. Amen. 
He's a good God. He's a good God. Thank you. Thank you. You don't, amen, amen. You don't hit a cement wall 70 miles an hour and live to tell it. If Neil could talk, he'd tell you about his changed life. He's changed on drugs, alcohol, and God's changed his life. Let me tell you something. God wants to restore some of you today. He said, I don't think he can do it. I've got one more testimony. I want you to listen to one more testimony. Six minutes. Listen. But I want you to notice how he repents before God. And remember how David cried out to God. David took responsibility of his own sin. He didn't blame someone else. So easy to say I'm this way because of her or him or them. The way I was raised. Listen to this testimony. Jerry Roberts remembers well growing up in poverty in the rural community of Manchester, Texas. We've had to pump our water, warming our water even on the stove to take a bath. We would have to use the, even the restroom like in buckets. I had to fight with a lot of shame and so, but I had a lot of anger because of that. What angered him more was watching his father, a drug addict and alcoholic, verbally and physically abuse his mom. I can remember my dad literally taking an elbow to my mom's face and to see my mom uh, be abused that way. Um, that, even as a child, instilled so much anger, anger in me. When Jerry was six, his parents divorced and he went to live with his grandparents on a farm. While in the fifth grade, he developed a lazy eye and was the subject of relentless bullying. He responded the only way he knew how. I learned that if you made me angry, then from what I saw growing up, either I either either verbally or physically abuse you. The anger also fueled Jerry to prove himself. In high school, he did well in his classes and on the football field, becoming a star linebacker with hopes of going pro. It was his ticket out of poverty. I saw football was going to be my way of me being able to take care of my mom and my two sisters, my family. After high school, Jerry made one more step toward his dream when he went to William Penn University in Iowa to study mechanical engineering and to play football. Then, in his first game, he broke his arm so badly it ended his football career, shattering any hopes of going pro. Depressed and angry, he stopped going to class and was kicked out of school. I had no hope. I, had, I, didn't, I didn't really care anymore, you know? Jerry moved back to Texas to live with his mom, where his life took a drastic turn. He would spend the next 13 years in a gang called the Bloods, dealing and using drugs. While he joined for acceptance, he found a new outlet for his anger. I looked at him as a family that I did have, like, somebody I could talk to, people that when I needed something, you know, I could go to. I never thought that I would be beating people up for what was in their pocket, you know, for, for money or just because I didn't like the certain color of clothes that they had on. 
By 26, he was married and had two children, a daughter with his wife and a son who was living with his ex-girlfriend. Now on probation for stealing, he was trying to make an honest living working in a chicken processing factory. Still carrying the anger, shame, and guilt, he fell deep into drug addiction. And that's when I really started doing the heavy drugs, the methamphetamines, the cocaine, you know, drinking a lot because I was still bringing all that anger. He also became suicidal. If I take my life, life will be better for her and then life will be better for my daughter because then they won't have to put up with someone uh, that has this temper and this anger uh, that I would have. Then one night, outside a convenience store, some friends got into a fight. Jerry jumped in and stabbed a man. The next day, he turned himself in and was arrested on aggravated assault and violating his probation. Awaiting sentencing, he ran into a familiar face, a rival gang member who was facing 60 years. He was a whole completely different person. I couldn't, I didn't understand how he was just somebody so peaceful. They became fast friends, and Jerry started watching Christian television with him every morning. Eventually, he could no longer ignore God's call. I just fell and I asked, cried out to God, forgive me, God, um, come and I need you, Jesus. I was just crying, I said, God, I give my life to you, I give my, and I was just telling him I give my whole, and I did, I gave up everything. I realized that God was not mad at me, but he was madly in love with me, and how he forgives. He desired to come and, and live in me. You know, how the Spirit of God wants to dwell in me, and I was crying, and God said, you mean you forgive me? And you want to come and live in me after everything I have done and what I've done to people? And all of a sudden, I, and I still can't explain today, it was like the very sun itself come out of the sky and like hit me. And I was just crying and, and I had like every pore of my body was opened up, my body was on fire. And I, and I had like this, a, a peace hit me so hard and I, I can't even explain it. From then on, Jerry read his Bible and prayed. I was someone that was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to alcohol, you know, and God delivered and set me free completely from it. I felt the love of God, and for the, for the first time, I, my life had meaning. Serving five and a half years of a 10-year sentence, Jerry became a leader in the prison ministry. Although he and his wife would divorce after his release in October of 2016, it didn't change the fact he was a new man delivered from his addictions, and healed from the wounds of the past. Now that anger and that peace, that shame and guilt is gone. He is a deliverer. He's, he's a God that fills you with peace and a comfort that you can't explain. He started working at an egg production plant, learned a new skill, and is now the maintenance manager. Jerry is married to Leslie and has a great relationship with all of his children and his parents. He and his wife do prison ministry and marriage counseling, and Jerry is an ordained elder who shares the message of hope on radio stations and platforms all over the world. God can deliver you today from addictions. He can deliver you from anger today. He can deliver you from fear today, but it's something you can only find in Jesus. Did you know that God's mightily in love with you? He loves you today. 
He loves you today. Now, listen, not just back way back then Jesus was setting people. Not just these recordings of these six incidents. He's doing it today. Alex, Robert, all these people, he'll set you free today. He'll make you whole. He'll take that broken life, broken body, broken family, and he'll mend it back, and it'll be better than it was. Brother Matt, would you come at this time? Bow your heads and pray with me, please. Father, we're so thankful for your bountiful blessings. We're so thankful, Lord, for examples like David that cried out to you and said, Have mercy on me, Lord. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. David said, I acknowledge my transgressions. He said, against you I have sinned. Purge me, he cried out to you. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Lord, maybe there's someone here today that needs to cry out to you. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Maybe there's someone that needs to say, make me hear joy and gladness. Created me, he said, created me. <coughs> A clean heart. God created us. <coughs> A clean heart. Look into us today and May we, as Brother Diddy started this service, may we examine ourselves and say in our prayer, renew a steadfast spirit in us. Lord, don't cast us away from your presence. Lord, don't cast away us away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from us. And then finally, Lord, Maybe there's someone here that needs to pray this prayer. Restore, restore, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is healing in your presence I speak Jesus I speak Jesus Stand and sing it with them break it today. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Yes, it is. Fire, Lord. Would 
you come and stand around the altar with us? Just step out in the aisles. Step out in the aisles. Come. Stand around the altar seeking the face of God today. Let me pray. Father, as we stand and sit in this place today, we sense your presence. God, you're not here just to be here, but you're here to touch lives and touch hearts. And God, we pray right now that each and every individual would draw near, closer to you. God, that you would settle things in their heart, that you would deliver from the bondage, the sin, set them free. May we have many Alexes here today. May there be many Roberts here today will say, Lord, I am free. My chains are gone because you have set me free today. And we believe, dear God, you're moving throughout the sanctuary. You're moving through in every heart and every life. And you're changing us all, dear God, for the better. And God, though we were broken, God, you put us back together. Our families, Lord. Bring healing to the brokenness. Our jobs, Lord, bring healing to the brokenness. Our own personal lives bring healing to the brokenness. God, remove the bondage, the fetters, the shackles. Remove the chains today that we'll lift our hearts and our hands and sing to you, our chains are gone. Pray right on. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praising. Don't stop seeking the face of God as we sing this song. Come on. Pray out. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Pray out. If you need repentance, find it right here. Ask the Lord for repentance.
My chains are gone. Lift your hands. Lift your heart. Come on, here we go. My chains. touching someone's life today. Sing it again. My chains are gone. presence of the Lord is in this place today. There's not one thing that binds you, that hinders you, that God can't set you free from. Amen.